So that's a classic. It, it is. But coming off the rejoin of us talking about it hard, it's hard out here for being a pimp. It does feel a little out of place. Well, it's hard out here for Rudolph too. <laughs> Maybe Rudolph was a pimp. He's got. Do you it think twice Rudolph what, was a pimp? Like of all the reindeer, was he the pimp? Because it felt like he was ostracized for a minute. Do you? Are you saying that Rudolph eventually became a pimp? Well, he had bling. And that's right. the first sign of being a pimp, right? You yeah. gotta have bling. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. His red nose was nothing but like, you know, a grill for reindeers. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this. 30-year anniversary of Home Alone. Ah, uh, yes. Where does that one rank on the Christmas scale? And where does that one rank on the comedy scale? Because at the time, it was as popular a movie as I think we've had, we had had in a really, really long time because it was so different than anything we had seen at that time. Well, you had a great cast. Yeah. You know, starting with Catherine O'Hara, right, as, yeah. as the mom. Right. Um, who's now on Shit's Creek. Who's now was on Shit's Creek and finally won her Emmy for being right. on Shit's Creek. But she's, she's, she's a great mom, and she was great in the movie. So we start with her. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you can't have a child star movie without a good child star. So Macaulay Culkin, obviously, was pretty good. But then, you know, it was like everyone else in the film just had tremendous comedic timing. Um, unfortunately for me, I don't feel it's a film that it's a that holds up. Like once you see it once or twice, I don't find myself laughing at the same jokes again. Mm-hmm. And I don't find myself laughing as much. Not even with Catherine O'Hara, who I think is a genius. So I think to your point at the time, it was a great groundbreaking, oh my God, what is this? But I think, you know, now looking back, it's like going, yeah, it was great then, but now I wouldn't consider it like a classic Christmas movie you have to see. Hmm. Where does it rank though? Like in, in from a comedy perspective, like is it the best child comedy combination like is Macaulay Culkin's performance the greatest like young little kid appearance in a comedy no what would what would top it uh Abigail Breslin from Little Miss Sunshine Little Miss Sunshine was good I I thought she was amazing she was she was and I that what that movie surprised me in a lot of ways because I didn't know what to expect going in other than I knew the cast was good um, yeah, great cast. But I, I feel like Macaulay is more iconic than 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 Little Miss. Well, Sunshine. no, no, that wasn't your question though. It wasn't about the if it was You're iconic saying, or not. Right. Just strictly performance. I just felt like that little girl in Little Miss Sunshine just had to do more. She, had, she like she had to be dramatic, but she had to be funny. But she was the the constant straight man. But she had to be a little girl so that she, she could be. Right. Sympathize. You you have okay. sympathy for her. Oh, okay. Then let, like, let's let's switch to iconic. Then is it more? What's the more iconic role? Home Alone is clearly the more iconic role because it's on all the time. I gotta think about it. What? I, I, I gotta think about it. Because I mean, <laughs> how many I, I, kids are in these movies? There's not that many of them. Well, I mean, you're you're talking about Christmas movies, right? No, it doesn't have to be Christmas. All right. So there's the kid from. Um, uh, God, what is that movie? The first one with Bruce Willis. I see dead people. Oh, uh, Sixth seven. Sense. Haley Sixth Joel Osment. The Sixth Sense. Haley Joel Osment. Oh, I, yeah. The Sixth but, Sense. Iconic seven performance. Is the one with Brad Pitt and Morgan yeah. Freeman. Yeah. I, I, iconic performance. Everyone yeah. knows I see dead people. Right. 
you know, so it's like, you know, I'm not trying to be difficult. It's just I don't want to go ahead and just say, yeah, this is it, because I couldn't remember okay. the other ones. I- I'm asking the audience then, 877-710-ESPN, what is the best kid, I, what is the most iconic kid role in a movie? 877-710-ESPN. Doesn't have to be Christmas. could be any movie. Uh, Laura, do you have a suggestion? What is the best kid you've seen in a movie? I got to think about it. <laughs> okay. Like, there's so many, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I I mean, like, you're right. Macaulay Culkin is one of the most iconic just roles for a kid in a movie. I mean, I think very underrated. Uh, Kirsten Dunst in Interview with a Vampire. Oh, Ooh, she was that's brilliant. a good one. That's, that is a good one. Yeah, the now, very, very sneaky act- pick. That is a better acting job yes. for sure. Yes. Yeah, she was brilliant in that. That's a good yeah. pull. Yeah. The movie, however, doesn't quite... <laughs> No. Well, I mean, when you're trying well, to adapt Dan Rice, that, that, that's tough. Well, and the other part is Tom Cruise probably should not have been the vampire Lestat, right? Like, let's be real here. I, I thought he was okay. I, I oh, thought, I, thought I thought he was I, by far the weakest link of all the actors in that movie. I thought, the And script, I like Cruise. I thought the script was, was problematic for him. You know, I mean, maybe he was a little over the top. Uh, and portraying the well, set. but because Tom Cruise plays every the the same person in every movie. How dare you? He was very different in Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah. So here's here. He wore a fat suit. That's a good hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He was great in Tropic Thunder. But n- name a movie. All right, Tropic Thunder. You ready? Yep. Cocky movie executive. But there's a difference. Cocky fat movie executive. Exactly. Okay. Tom Cruise is always but, making sure you know he's good looking in all his movies. And he finally went full on, fat I'm just suit. a fat yeah. suit, ugly right. guy. And it right. was like, that's different for Tom Cruise. Okay. That, okay. Slightly different. But name another movie. Another Tom Cruise movie? Yeah. Born on the 4th of July. Cocky old veteran. Cocky? He was traumatized. He had PTSD. That's not cocky. But still cocky. <laughs> He's no, he, no, he was just sick and tired. He was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. yeah I think that came across cocky to me. I think Laura's finally got one for us, too. What, Go ahead, Laura. Mara Wilson, Matilda. I was obsessed with that movie and I was like... Very sneaky yeah. pull there. Yeah, that's a good that's pull. That's pretty good. That's, yeah, it's nice. That's, that's a good nice. pull. pretty good. Uh, I still think Macaulay was better. And I did like Bronnie's pull of Kirsten Dunst on Vampire, uh, Interview with a Vampire. Sorry. Yeah, she, she, was, she was really good. Yeah, she was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about I'll, that? Isn't there like a recent movie that's called Let Me In, where it's this little girl or appears to be a little girl, and she's actually like a thirty-year-old, and she got taken in by this family and ends up being a serial killer. Mm. Like, I don't know if the actress is actually a little kid or if she's older, made to look younger. What kind yeah, of movies I, are you watching? I don't know. But <laughs> right? It's uh, very intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the phones here. Charlie's in Long Beach. He wants to weigh in on the the NBA player that's most challenging to root for. Go ahead, Charlie. Hey, guys. Big fan. This is you guys every day. Um, it's hard for me to root for Russell Westbrook. Uh, I, I, I was a fan of him uh, when he was in college. He was great. And, but over the years, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't, there's just something about him that it, it, he's, he's just, he just got a little too cocky for me, man. He... I think he's a little selfish, and if he would pay a lot more attention to his game than he does to his fashion, then he'd be a more greater player than he already is, and he's a great player. 
Okay, fair enough. Right. Appreciate it. Let me go to DeAndre and Torrance. Hey, fellas, how you guys doing? What's up, bro? What you got for us? Not much. I got a pair of teammates, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. First of all, they're Clippers. <laughs> I don't want to see no Clipper get anything. Okay. Second, Paul George talking about he wants to be a Laker, and then when it's time for him to come over, he don't doesn't even give us an interview. That that was that was just terrible. And then Kawhi Leonard holding us up, and we almost missed out on free agents because he's trying to make a decision, plotting and trying to cripple the Lakers in the in the meantime. So that's mine. Well done. All right, pal. All right. Thank you, buddy. Stay safe, stay healthy. Happy holidays. Let me George, go to Chris. And- yes. Linda Blair, the exorcist. What were we thinking? <laughs> I mean, that was pretty wild. What That's were we a good thinking? One. Yeah, that is a pretty good one. And she was very young back then. Uh, Chris in L.A. Chris. Well, uh, he's no longer in the league, but if he's the answer, I don't care about the question, Paul Pierce. I don't Man, like Paul Pierce. I- Never have. <laughs> well, is it a Celtic thing? Uh... Every hot take he has, too. Even as a commentator, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt. I just don't like Paul Pierce. Okay, fair enough. You don't have to like him. I mean, I like him personally. I like him. He, uh, but he, I can see where he rubs you. Rubs. Look, his takes are hot. There's no doubt. He And he doesn't apologize for him. And that's fine. Um, that's part of the business. And thank you for the call. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Damn it, LZ! I forgot to get to the LeBron proclamation. I it's, swear it's to okay God. because we got a thousand and one child actors we forgot. The E.T. kids. Okay, Hello, save them. Drew save Barrymore. Them. Save what them. Are them. Shh. Save them. Save them. All right. We could do more of that. Take calls on that. Take calls on the most challenging player to root for in the NBA. I will get to the LeBron proclamation. Damn it, I swear. We're back in four minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Happy birthday, Nicki Minaj. I believe 37 today, Laura. Is that correct? She is 37. 37? She doesn't look it, though. She does not look 37. We don't do that. Do you you like Nicki Minaj or Megan Thee Stallion better? Uh, Better for what? Just music. Oh, their music? Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess recently I've been doing Meg more, so I'm going to go with her, I guess. Laura? Uh, she wasn't a part of it, but I'll do Cardi B. Oh, now, wow. I, could okay. add, I could add my own names yeah. if you want to add some names. He gave us a list. Okay, I mean, I gave Megan. you one or the other, but we Megan. can do Cardi B. Okay, so out of those three, then add Cardi B. That's fine. Oh, no, I mean, just no. you know, she's a she's Latina, so I got to support. Right, that's the bar. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's not the. Bar. I mean, but it's a good. It's 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 definitely a tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean, I'm not wrapping up everybody black. It's like if you ain't no, no, but it, it could be a tiebreaker. Like I have no problem with that. No, it's yeah. a tiebreaker if all things are even. Yeah, I have such a hard time with today's female MCs. True, because I grew up with like some some beasts. 
Right. Some straight up beats. And so when I hear some of the stuff today, I'm just like, okay. Right. Yeah, but I feel like Megan <laughs> is 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 a little more edgy in that sense. No, 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 that- no. I, and I said I, I'll play her music. I'll listen to her music. Yeah. But I mean, I grew up with light. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sure. So it's like sure. And Latifah, right? And Latifah. Pre, and, and pre, pre sitcoms. Pre sitcom, pre movies, pre right. all Kim. that stuff. Right. Yeah. Little Kim, Foxy Brown. Yeah, Foxy like, Brown, Little Kim. Like yeah. who were willing to be sexy, but they were always about their flow first. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes when I listen to to artists today. Not all of them, obviously, but some of yeah. the more popular ones that I go on, hmm, did you really care about the flow as much as the other stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, let me ask you this, LZ. LeBron James, we have the audio, uh, Laura, of him talking about his championships. All right, so LeBron says, um, he made a proclamation, basically, about his most his two most recent championships. Let's hear what he said on the Road Trip and Podcast with our pals, Ali Clifton, Richard Jefferson, and Channing Fry. The one thing that I know for sure, that I've been a part of two teams that's won the two hardest championships in NBA league history. The 2016 Cavs coming back from 3-1 versus 73-9 and team, being down 3-1 versus one of the best teams that ever been assembled. Two-time MVP. Two-time MVP. Um, and then what we went through in a bubble. And if you were not in a bubble, you don't quite understand it. You would never, <clears throat> ever understand how hard it was to win that championship, to be able to motivate yourself to be out of, this is literally out of your whole comfort zone. No so, family, no, no family. I didn't see my family for eight and a half weeks. And then it was just my wife. Never, I didn't see my kids until I got out of the bubble, um, 96 days. You, everything you're accustomed to, your own bed or, or your chef, you know, your sleeping pattern, you know, you're so accustomed to, you know, for me, I'm a routine guy. And when my routine is like knocked off, I, I, it's like, I don't know, it's hard for me to center myself. <laughs> Um, so first of all, let's tackle his initial question. Do you believe he's won the two hardest championships in NBA history? I do. Okay. I do. Even over the fact that Willis Reed came back to win the MVP off an injury, because most people, historians would probably say that might be the toughest one against the Lakers. Well, listen, there are a lot of different ways you can talk about toughest. Mm-hmm. Um, as you and I were discussing during our pre-show meeting, mm-hmm. um, I ranked his two the toughest because one, he had to beat a team with the greatest regular season record of all time. And then two, uh, the conditions of the bubble are just something that no one's ever encountered before. And so I definitely think those two are the toughest. And then once you get away from perhaps those elements and just straight up just ball, um, then you start going into things like who had the roughest like opponents to face in terms of like win percentage, right? Yeah. And that's when you look at like the 95 Houston Rockets. You know, when I just glanced at their schedule, they had to damn near beat three 60-win teams just to get to the finals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jazz went 60-22, and 22, Suns went 59-23, and 23, and then the Spurs went 62-20. and 20. That's damn near three 60-win teams before you face Shaq. <laughs> right. Um, That's hard as hell. I, I would add this one. Um, and look, I, I do think that the 3-1 deficit, um, certainly tough to overcome. But if you really go back, and I did, because you and I talked about this before the show, I did go back and look you know, back at the individual games, okay? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, those games, I mean, game seven was close, but it was never like, in theory, out of reach, even game seven, because it was so nip and tuck, right? Yep. Yep. Um, the, the, the other one that I would put in this category, um, I know I mentioned the Willis Reed one, which I think historians also put it in, in at least the conversation, right? Because, I mean, you, you won the MVP, like you were literally hurt, you know what I mean? And came back to, uh, you know, the famous, he came through the tunnel, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, but didn't he only play like a couple of minutes? Right, but he had already played so well that <laughs> he, had he had locked up the so MVP. Well, so he had locked yeah. it, yeah, he had locked yeah. it in. But. And then he, he helped them win that game, right? So that was important. Um, I mean, kind of. He only played a couple minutes. Uh, but he, he he was a factor, however. Um, but the one that I think it was another LeBron series, which was the Spurs series, because I can tell you, historically, there has never been a team that has faced a worse deficit with that amount of time left on the clock before Ray Allen hit that shot. The LeBron and those guys were down five points with 28 seconds. The chances of the Spurs winning the game were over 99.9%, the probability. Like, it was virtually impossible to lose that game if you were the San Antonio Spurs. And Ray Allen hit, I think, the biggest shot in NBA Finals history. Um, I mean, they were they were as dead in that game six as any team I've ever seen, right? Like, uh, you know, they literally were wrapping the ropes around the, the court when, you know, the, to keep fans away so they could put the stage up and all that stuff. Like, yep. it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And then they had to come back and win game seven against a Spurs team that had never lost an NBA Finals series. Well, the only reason why I don't really include those is because I can't really think of any, you know, incredible circumstances about, I mean, I understand winning. I mean, the game Ray six. Allen shot. That's pretty. I mean, I understand winning Game Six was a tough win to to win, no doubt about it. But when I think about the series in and of itself, heading into it, I didn't think this was impossible. During the course of, it, I didn't think it was impossible. It really wasn't until the fourth quarter of Game Six that it looked like it was impossible. Whereas well, it was over. Other, Right, remember, well, it would have been over, right, over, right. Right, whereas the other examples, you know, whether it's the Houston Rockets in 95, you had to beat three teams that averaged over 60 wins combined. That's impossible. That, I mean, <laughs> one of those, I, teams, I, one of those I, teams should have beaten you before yeah, you I get don't to know the if finals. that's impossible. Like, I'd have to see if someone else has done that, and I would imagine well, someone in the West might have come, has no. probably... Has no, ever, or at least no. I'm looking at it. Yeah. I'm no. I'm looking at it. The Houston Rockets had a win. Per, had the opponent's win percentage was over seventy two percent. That is by far the highest. The second highest is sixty eight percent with the Chicago Bulls. Seventy two percent. Sixty and twenty two Jazz. Fifty nine and twenty three Suns. Sixty two and twenty Spurs. And then a fifty seven and twenty five Magic with Shaq and Penny. That heading into the postseason is an impossible championship. So that's what I kind of use as an example. Not what happens during the course of a series, but before we even start to play, do we think you have a chance? And so when I look at that Cleveland team, you sh- they should not have had a chance against a 73-win team. That's why it was incredible. You know, when I look at this Houston team, you had to face – like, if we add them all up, that's probably an average of 60 wins every team. 
You don't you don't beat four sixty win teams to get to a championship. No one's ever done that before. Yeah, that that's hard. I, I, I'm not <laughs> dismissing hard. it. I'm not dismissing it. But I just think we've never seen a team be that dead in a playoff series, like as as the Ray Allen shot. Like and well, LeBron mean, was I, on that team. I mean, ninety four. Ninety four. The series. No, John Stark the, shot them out of that series. No, that no, no. Game. I'm not I'm not just talking about John Starks. I mean ninety five. I'm not just talking about, you know, like just the, the win total period. Game one, they were dead. Remember? They were down by like 20-some points before the half. Nick Anderson just needs to hit a free throw. Right. Oh, you're saying against <laughs> Orlando. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Like, that might actually be the third highest yeah, they, or third hardest them. championship. They swept them, though, after that. Yeah, after that. Yeah, but I mean, that, that to- also, but that's part of it. You know what I'm saying? All right, let, let's continue this on the other side, and we can let the audience weigh in at 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Uh, plus, we've got some news on Dennis Schroeder. I don't know if Uh-oh. Dennis Schroeder knows this news, but we've got some news for you on Uh-oh. Dennis Schroeder and the Lakers. We'll get to that in three minutes. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tadano LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. So we still have a lot of people weighing in on the conversation we're having about the best child actors in a movie. Um, Miguel Contreras tweets us a good one, LZ. Natalie Portman in The Professional. Yep. That's very good. Yeah. That's very good. How old was she? Like 12 in that movie? When she did that uh, movie? Natty Portman, I will say 11, 12. Yeah, yeah. in that range. River Phoenix yep. was also sent to us by Marco Enriquez um, in Stand By Me. Now, he was like 14, I think, in that movie. So, LZ, I think you, you thought he was maybe a little too old in that movie to be considered? I mean, if you're going to compare him to Macaulay Culkin's child performance, once you become like a teenager – then you start messing with that Leo DiCaprio was eating Gilbert Grape category. Right, and right. That's I don't fair. Think you, you don't want that. <laughs> Calm down, Laura. Calm down. <laughs> Getting thirsty he's, in here. He's hey, spoken the, for. The way yeah. you said it half good. Yeah, by half the models on the runway. Oh, okay. Yeah, True. Yeah, yeah. 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 There you go. I'm I love that, that Leo, though, um, rolls with the dad bod in the off season when he's not filming a movie. Good for him. Or when he's you not dating that. a supermodel. When he, no, even the supermodels don't care that he's got the dad bod. Well, true. Leo. Mm. This is Leo. Yeah. But can you have a dad bod if you don't have any kids? Aren't you just fat? Yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> it just seems like if you got a dad bod, you got to have kids for the proof in order yeah. to have that title. That is so true. You should, in theory. <laughs> but he's Leo. He can get away with it. Um, so people are chiming in on a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about today. We've been having a fun show. Uh, Kirk Morrison's going to stop by at 6.15. We will talk to him about the Rams. Uh, you and I have some thoughts on the Rams as well, LZ. And uh, between 6.30 and 7, don't forget, Santa Key is coming to town in that half hour. So make sure you're tuning in if you want to win some Laker goodies. Uh, speaking of the Lakers, LZ, before we get to the calls real quick, and I promise we'll get to the calls, uh, Dennis Schroeder has said he wants to start with the Lakers. You and I had Frank Vogel on uh, last week, and, you know, he says, I understand he wants to start. You know, we got to figure it out, right? Like, he was um, politically correct about it is the best way to describe it, right? Is that fair? Yep. 
I yeah. would say so. Okay, so Frank was asked about it uh, most recently uh, in the Lakers' last media availability, and here's what he said about Dennis Schroeder starting. Go ahead, Laura. That's play. a huge part of, the, of this year's plan is to, to have Dennis out there with LeBron, uh, alleviating some of the pressure, but also his ability to play off the ball. That's what we love about him. Um, you know, they're going to see uh, you know, heavy, heavy minutes uh, throughout the course of the year this, this year. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of it yet in practice because most of our practice so far has been sort of like drill work more than live action, you know, or four on fours or, or things like that. But, um, you know, that, that combination is going to be one that, that we envision being a great one for us this year. Now, he didn't really commit to it, though, right? Mm-hmm. He did not. No. He did not. He, he yeah. just said it was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And he did say his plan is to play him with LeBron as much as possible. He did not shy away from that, but he didn't necessarily go and call him the starter. No, he, he did not. And, you know, I know reportedly that, you know, Schroeder's agent and the Lakers had a conversation about starting. Right. But he I hadn't said that. seen. Yeah. 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 But I hadn't seen it be reported what the outcome of that conversation was. Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, so I, I am curious to see how this evolves because, um, you know, he certainly has an expectation, right? I, I don't know how that gets massaged if that's not the end result. I don't, you know, what would be the other options there? Um, you know, I, I don't know, honestly. You know, he had mentioned coups at one point. You know, in our conversation, in Being terms in the, of in the starting lineup, in the starting lineup, exactly. So I don't know if he feels that you know maybe, you know, traditional point guard. So and you would Kuz. go LeBron, KCP, Kuz, um, AD, and Marcus O, probably. Maybe you know, maybe, maybe you know they're going to experiment to see what Kuz does with extended minutes, theoretically, as a starter. So you basically have KCP guard the smaller guards, is what you're asking him to do in that in, in that particular lineup. Right, right, and then depending upon what point of the game it's in, and you know who's who's available to them, would determine who's in the fourth quarter. Right, Caruso um, or whatever. Caruso, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and Schroeder. Um, it is going to be interesting because there's um, there. Uh, the 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 end of the game is still way more fascinating to me and how they now they've got plenty of options there but it is fascinating to, for me to see how they would make that work all right let's go to the phones eight seven 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 ten ESPN let's go to James in Glendale James uh, James actually wants to weigh in I believe on the conversation we were having earlier which is who is the most challenging that's the nice way of saying it uh, NBA player to root for go ahead James hey you guys can hear me all right right yes sir oh yeah we got you. All right, first-time caller. Hey, the, the most challenging player to root for right now is KD, and I'll tell you why. Kevin Durant, he was so close that one year taking down the Warriors, that 73-19. and He was so close to beating them in the conference finals. They were up 3-1, and they lost. And right. the following year in free agency, he left OKC. But not only did he leave, he went to the team that beat them in the year prior. And he joined forces with them. It's like, picture your rivals in high school, a grade school. They keep beating you in a team sport, and then you just leave your current team, and then you go join forces. You switch sides. Um, you can't beat them. You join them. Not only does he do that, I mean, he makes a great play. He shoots. He makes a hard shot. Dude, 
he's so tall and lanky. He's seven foot. He has a seven foot wingspan. Of course he can make that shot. He got an ugly face. He has a bad hairline. He got big nostrils. He's so hard to root whoa, for. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is aggressive. Oh, whoa, right, whoa, right, whoa. Right, yeah, yeah. Wait, first of all, there's nothing wrong with big nostrils. And trust me, brother, when you have to wear a mask everywhere, you want these nostrils. <laughs> okay, I got I got big nostrils too, so I guess that was kind of harsh. But he's so hard to root for that when the Warriors were playing the Raptors, he came back from injury. The Raptors fans were cheering when he went down with his Achilles. Well, that reflects poorly on the Raptors fans, not on KD. Shouldn't be out there cheering really when. Yeah. For, man. Should, yeah. Shouldn't be cheering when, when, when athletes are getting hurt out there, man. That's not cool. I, I'm, I'm, I agree. I agree. James, thank you for the call. Um, but uh, I, I'm with LZ. I draw the line on that too. Let's go to Jonathan in LA. Jonathan. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. We got you, brother. What's up? Yes. Hey, long time, long time fan. I love you guys more than Sliwa uh, at night, but. One, one, one that everybody's missing on the most iconic child actor is Tom Cruise from Risky Business. That was not a child. That's what uh, I'm saying. He was an adult. What the he hell, was, he, dude? He was, he was playing a yeah, high school was, kid, but he was an adult. That's not a child. Uh, That's uh, not even a child you guys, character. You guys, you guys got to go watch that movie again, man. He, I know, he was a pimp. Movie. Yeah. He was a pimp. Yeah, he was a cocky high school kid. That's what he <laughs> was out here being a pimp. Okay, okay. All right, pal. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Man, Rebecca, it. Uh, what, what was your name, LZ? Uh, Rebecca, Rebecca DeMornay? DeMornay. Yeah. DeMornay, yeah. Yeah, Rebecca DeMornay. Oof. That woman. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Wasn't uh, Joe Pesci in that movie, too? He might have been. He might have like been. As like the master pimp or something? Yeah. So we got a lot of people chiming in still. A lot of people chiming in on the different discussions. The uh, most challenging NBA player to root for. The best child actor in a movie. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Do you agree with LeBron uh, that his 2016 and 2020 championships are the two hardest? Uh, can you think of any others to add to that list? 877-710-ESPN. But coming up next, LZ, you and I will have what you need to know, uh, including some uh, anniversaries, some good and not so uh, good, uh, but nonetheless, some anniversaries. And you and I will tackle Sean McVay versus Bill Belichick. All that's coming up in three and a half minutes. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe, good times. LZ, I'm sure you're not surprised by this. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State, the game has been called off due to COVID-19 issues. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've talked about this with college football in particular. What's the point other than just individual games, you know, for entertainment purposes? This is a big-time rivalry, perhaps with even college football implications. But in the age of COVID, Outside of a bubble, nothing's guaranteed. And the NFL better be watching. Yeah. Because if you think you can execute a postseason without some sort of bubbling, you're going to end up postponing games and it's just going to jack up the entire postseason. 
Yeah, I agree. I do think it's going to be a challenge, and they don't seem to believe that that's the case. Uh, also, we have a couple of anniversaries. Um, it is the anniversary of the death of John Lennon. Um, I uh, was too young to remember that moment. Um, I was, you know, I think like three, uh, two. Uh, so, but it was an iconic moment in regards to sports because on Monday Night Football is where a lot of people got that news. And here is the audio of Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football, courtesy of ABC Sports. John Smith is on the line, and I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. Hard to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to take. Frank? Indeed it is. So that was it on Monday Night Football. And, um, you know, it is one of those moments, right? Like, I think clearly because of how iconic he was. And honestly, I think Kobe is in this category, too, in regards to I'll always remember where I was when I found out that news that Kobe passed away. And, uh, you know, for many people in a generation, John Lennon was very similar in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about him, because it was a gun death, you know, that made it even more shocking, right? Sure. Like, obviously... When, right, who would gun down John Lennon, right? Who exactly. would, I was just going to say, isn't yeah. this the guy that says Imagine? Right. Who guns down the Imagine guy? Yeah. You know, but... Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's crazy. 40 years ago? Mm-hmm. Is that how long it's been? 40 yeah. years ago now? Mark David Chapman uh, yeah. was the gentleman who gunned him down and murdered him. He on, died at uh, yeah. 40. He was yeah. born in 1940, and it happened 40 years ago. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Yep. I was three years old uh, when that happened, so I was not aware, obviously, of that. And living in New York, by the way, at that time. My parents lived in New York, so there's that. But uh, So a sad anniversary there, and, uh, you know, a sad-ish, happy-ish uh, anniversary, sort of. Happy birthday to Jim Morrison from The Doors. What is your favorite Doors song, LZ? Oh, man. Boy, maybe it's L.A. Woman, because I like the construction of it. Though there's... um. Let me see. There's a lot of Doors songs. I mean, Break On Through is, is is a good song, but I just think lyrically, maybe L.A. Woman has just had more fun for me. There's a couple other songs. There's a, there's a blues song that they have which sounds like a jam session. I can't think of the name of it right now. Hold on one second. What is yours in the meantime? Uh, mine would be, I like the end, personally. Yeah. Um, but Break On Through is, is obviously the most popular. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and it's a good song. I don't want yeah. to poo-poo it. It's, it definitely is a good song. Right. Um, and maybe I'm just biased because it's been played by everyone in the mama that I don't want to include it in the list. Right. But, uh, oh, Roadhouse Blues. That's what it was. Roadhouse Blues is an amazing song, and it sounds like an ongoing jam session. I like that song a lot. Uh, Ride Into the Storm is a great song. I, I'm a Jim Morrison guy. When I lived in Venice, uh, my apartment was across the street from the Morrison Hotel. Um because I guess that's where Jim used to hang out all the time when he was in Venice. So I used to always listen to Doors songs in the morning for coffee. Because I'm basic like that. 
Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, it, it it is to me. I I I look. They're an LA band, right? Like they they um they also you know maybe not like the Beatles, but they also defined a generation. Fair to say. Yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, obviously, as you said, not as nearly as much as the Beatles, but Jim Morrison was certainly a, a big influence on Michael Hutchins from In Excess, and In Excess has gone on to influence other lead singers, other bands. So their imagery and their sensibility is carried on, even if you don't necessarily recognize it right away. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. All right. And that is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. You're listening to KSBN Los Angeles. Um, Sedano and LZ with you. Kirk Morrison is going to stop by to talk to us about the Rams, LZ. But you and I can talk about the Rams. And we do want to get to these calls because people have been chiming in with some really fun uh, commentary on some of the things we've been talking about. We started talking about... Because uh, we were talking about Kyrie back in the news and that stuff with him and LeBron and whatever, which we can get to later this hour uh, if you didn't hear that story and, and him and LeBron addressing the Kyrie criticism or shot that he took back during the finals about playing with KD. And, you know, now he's got a, quote, mother bleeper that can hit those shots too, uh, you know. Up. And uh, and then, of course, <laughs> there's the James Harden stuff, which is kind of wild and crazy too. Um, so it led us to just kind of stumble upon, like, you know, those two guys are kind of – challenging to root for and who are the most challenging guys to root for in the nba so people have been chiming in at 877-710-ESPN and then we talked about the 30-year anniversary of home alone and we got into child actors and who is the best child actor in a movie that you've seen uh and people have been chiming in on that we'll get to those calls too at 877-710-ESPN but real quick on the rams and sean mcveigh um they are facing bill belichick and look I think that Sean McVay has a couple of dragons to slay, right? You know, you and I like Game of Thrones, right? Um, and I think that one of the dragons clearly is Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan always gets the best of him, it seems like. And the other one, who he doesn't get to see very often, it's a rare dragon, the Belichick dragon. Now, that dragon is a big dragon, though. That dragon probably has the best powers. However, it is an older dragon. And that dragon's powers are a little weakened, let's just say. It's... Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have the full arsenal of, uh, of dragon weapons uh, that it normally has. And, uh, but playing, you know, still, be, still dangerous, right? Yeah. And, but you look at this situation, what do you make of this particular matchup and, like, what this Rams team needs to do so Sean can slay that Belichick dragon? Well, first of all, um, Cam Newton is the perfect quarterback for this defense. He's perfect. Yes, ball control. <laughs> yes. So uh, that's in that's in the favor of Sean McVay and his defense. Mm -hmm. You know, before they had the, you know the quick draw McGraw when it comes to Tom Brady, and even though he's not mobile or great, really athletic, because the ball leaves his hand so quickly, because he's so accurate, and because he is so good that no defense can really throw him off. He's just a difficult guy to manage. That's not the case with Cam. No shade on Cam, not trying to throw shade on Cam, but I don't think it's a stretch to say he's no Brady. So that works in his favor, one. And then two, they're home. You know, it's a home game. And, you know, they are like, what, four and one? They're comfortable here. Uh, I recognize that, you know, the Patriots didn't fly back home after their thrashing of the Chargers, and so they're well-rested, but they're not home, and we are. And we're feeling good about ourselves. And certainly if you're Jared Goff, what sweeter way to remind people that you're the best QB of your draft 
than to come back and smash the squad that embarrassed you in the Super Bowl. Listen, I do think that there is a sense of that, right? Like you almost, you know, as petty as that sounds, I do feel like there there, there is this need of revenge, right? Isn't that fair? I don't think that's unfair to, to bring up. No, of course not. It's, it's, uh, you know, and, and if you're Sean, you, you want to get this win. You need to get this win. You know, you don't think Pete Carroll knows his record against Sean McVay? He, I'm sure he does. You don't think Kyle Shanahan knows his record against Sean McVay? Right. I'm sure he does. Yeah. So, hell yeah. He's 0-1 against Bill Belichick. He doesn't want to fall down 0-2. Yeah, especially when, as I mentioned, the dragon is a little vulnerable, right? He's a little vulnerable, but he's honorary too. Oh, he'll, yeah. bur- he'll burn you. Yeah. So, and so by the way, you can't you can ill afford a bad Jared Goff game in this one. I think. No, no, you you can't. You can't because you know just as I said that the Rams had a good win and feeling good about themselves. Well, so are the so are the Patriots. Yeah. And they're in a must-win situation if they want to continue making the postseason. And certainly, if you're Cam Newton, you don't want to be the QB that comes in and ends Bill Belichick's postseason streak. Right. So he's going to play his best. I just don't think that they're good enough to beat this defense. Right. Uh, I don't either. I, I don't either. Even as well as, you know, Cam has run the offense, even though he's not throwing the ball all that much, to be honest with you. It's like having an extra running back. Like, they're literally it, – it, at times, as you watch the Patriots – it feels like you're watching an old school college wishbone offense. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, you know, downgrade it or mock it. You know, that no, I'm not much. mocking it. I'm just being honest. Like Cam <laughs> is running a lot. He is running a lot, and is he running a lot because he doesn't have anyone to throw it to, or is he running a lot because at the end of the day they trust his legs more than his arms? It could be a combination of all of that. It could be. Either way it goes, I'm not afraid of Cam with this defense. No. At all. Go ahead and try and run on us. Yeah. We we invite you to do that. I mean, That's Cam <laughs> Cam has thrown for 84 and 69 yards in his last two games and has won both. <laughs> uh, you know, at the end of the day, all that really matters is the W, but I'm here to tell you right here and right now, um, he ain't running all over this defense. No. Not with just physicality. Right. No, a, a nimble, you know, quick Kyler Murray sort of guy. You know, Lamar yeah, Jackson. Lamar right. Jackson, sure. But yeah. just power running? Yeah. No, dog, you ain't our, – our line? No, yeah. man, you ain't yeah. doing that. I, I, don't, I don't see that either, to be honest with you. But we can ask Kirk Morrison about that. Kirk Morrison is set to join us here in just a few moments. We'll talk some football with him at 6.30. We're going to get back to the Lakers, so make sure you stick around for that. And don't forget, between 6.30 and 7.00, Santa Key will be coming to town. If you want Laker goodies, you can pick from one of our stockings on the 710 Fireplace, the Keyshawn stocking, the Greeny stocking, the Max stocking, the Mason stocking, the Ireland stocking, my stocking, LZ stocking, Kaplan stocking, playoff Sliwa, and win Laker goodies. We got you hooked up here for the holidays with Santa Key coming to town. That's going to happen between 630 and 7. But next, Kirk Morrison joins us in four minutes.